Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, offering securities through United Planner Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC shares his planning approach to help people toward a place where they may be at peace regarding their financial goals. In this dynamic podcast, Royal will share his insights on how to design a retirement plan to help you plan for your future. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Life by Design with Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors. It is 2020 and Royal, I'm excited. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Oh, fantastic. I'm I'm just all full of energy and and, uh, actually two or three cups of coffee. So that's part of it. Just just part of it. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what are we talking about today? Yeah, I think what we're going to spend most of today talking about is new legislation that was approved just Uh, right there at the end of the year, which is the SECURE Act. It had been approved by the House back in the summer. Really only, I think, three dissenting votes came out against that, which for the House is pretty darn bipartisan. Yeah, Kind of lingered there at the Senate. And then right at the end of the year, as they were kind of finishing up some housekeeping things, it got attached to a spending bill, one of those bills that keep the government open. Mm-hmm. And so we finally did see it pass Congress and get signed by President Trump. So we have got uh, some very cool legislation out that does some tweaks to the retirement system here in the U.S. And we're going to go over some of those and talk about some of those planning opportunities that we see for clients, as well as uh, kind of update you on some things to just be aware of. You'll probably see more of coming down the road over the next few years as people kind of sort out this new legislation and Mm -hmm. look for additional planning opportunities. All right. Sounds good. So where do we, I know the SECURE Act was pretty robust. Um, Where do we start? Well, let's start with the, I think the two biggest things that I think are going to affect the most clients. Really the biggest news as financial planners that we saw was the death of the stretch IRA. Mm. If you're not familiar with what the stretch IRA is, is an IRA passes by a beneficiary form to the next generation. In the past, you had the option of doing what's considered a beneficiary IRA or a, a stretch IRA. And that's where that individual who inherited an IRA could take that, put it into their name as a beneficiary, and stretch it out over their lifetimes. They'd be required to take out required minimum distributions each year from that plan, but they they could keep it going really over their entire life and then pass it down to uh, another generation if they so desired. Now, this doesn't affect the rules for a spouse. So this is really only applying to a non-spouse beneficiary. Mm-hmm. Spouses are able to roll over a deceased spouse uh, retirement plans into their own IRAs, and no real changes uh, occurred with that. So what we're really looking at is that non-spouse beneficiary and what their options are. The way the government looked at this is they were really giving somewhat of a free ride to these beneficiaries because they were allowing them to continue deferring taxes inside of a traditional IRA that had been stretched and to pay for some of the other changes that they've made inside of the secure act, they needed to come up with some uh, additional ways of generating some revenue. So that's Mm -hmm. really the reason why we're seeing that stretch IRA go, go by the wayside. So what does it look like now? So now, when a non-spouse beneficiary inherits an IRA, there are no required minimum distributions except for one at the end of 10 years. 
basically what this means is, is a non-spouse beneficiary has 10 years to basically spend down an IRA that they inherited. And at the end of that 10th year, they're going to be required to pull 100% mm. out of that IRA as a required minimum distribution. And that's going to complicate things, especially for beneficiaries who inherit a large IRA. You know, probably not too big of an effect if you inherit, let's say, a $100,000 IRA, because you can take your time and kind of pull money out as needed from the account. But if you inherit, let's say, a you know $500,000 or $1 million IRA, you have to start being really careful about how you plan for that, because if you're, if you're not careful, uh, you might have a million-dollar-plus uh, taxable event heading for you in mm. year 10. Got it. So l- let me ask you a question just to clarify. You said it, it, there's no RMD, so they don't have to take anything in the first nine years, just as long as by the end of the 10 years, they've taken 100% out, right? Exactly. Oh, exactly. Okay. So could you technically take a little bit out? Let's say it's a million-dollar IRA. You take a little bit out every year, and then in that 10th year, you just take a whole year off of work, right? And then you take the rest of that that distribution out, and so it kind of replaces your income, Right. Correct. Correct. You could do that. Yeah. I don't know how your employer would feel about that. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm just, it's just a pipe dream. I'm just saying, you know, travel the world for a year. Okay. Maybe that's not the best idea, but I I get the point now. So it's, it's plan out with your financial advisor, with your accountant, with your tax professional, with your team. And I know that you work hand in hand with a lot of team members, Royal, to find out what the best thing is, because that money that you're taking out each year can bump you into another tax bracket. And I think that that's what we're trying to avoid here, right? That's right. And that's really where the planning piece of all this comes is looking at what, wherever the tax brackets are when you inherit this is trying to fill up those lower tax brackets without giving yourself too much of Mm -hmm. an income increase where you're paying in those, those top income brackets if possible. So we're really looking at how best to, get this money out of the inherited IRA for the beneficiary for a lot of clients. And I'm talking with a a fair number of clients who have seen this rule come out. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things is, is, well, how many beneficiaries do you have? You might have a million dollars in an IRA, but if you have five, six beneficiaries, what each one of those beneficiaries are are inheriting is actually fairly small in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. The other thing to think about is this change also affected Roth IRAs and the ability to stretch those as well. You can no longer stretch a Roth IRA. You're still required to take it out within that 10-year window. But the beauty of the Roth IRA is it's still a tax-free distribution. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to, if you inherited a, a Roth IRA, really there's no reason to take out anything until year 10, unless you needed the, uh, the money from that Roth, because at year 10, you can pull out all of the gains that have accrued since you inherited the IRA tax-free. Oh, wow. All right. And so for a lot of clients, I think this is also an opportunity, if you do have a large IRA, to maybe consider doing some Roth conversions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roth conversions, number one, move that money from a taxable situation to a tax-free, and it gives your beneficiaries a a few more options to plan around as they're planning out how they're going to distribute these qualified funds over that 10-year window. Got it. 
All right, Royal, is there anything else we need to know about the the death of the stretch IRA? Or is there are we moving on to another another item in the Secure Act? Uh, the last thing to remember about the stretch IRA is if you already have an inherited IRA, those rules haven't changed at all. Oh, okay. So your grandfathered in kind of? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. The other the other issue I would say with the with the change of that stretch IRA is there are a couple of exceptions to that 10-year rule, and those are for disabled beneficiaries, special need beneficiaries, mm-hmm. and beneficiaries under the age of majority in the state that they reside. So if a child inherits a IRA, they would have until they reach the age of majority, either a 18 or 21. So if, an, if the age of majority in your state is 18, that would start a 10-year clock where they would have to pull the remainder of the IRA out. So basically, they'd have until age 28 okay. to spend down that IRA. Got it. Okay, well, that's, that's, a, that's a good benefit for, for them, uh, for sure. What else do we need to know about the SECURE Act? So the other big change uh, from a planning standpoint is the age of 70, to 70 and a half which had been the age when people had to start taking out their required minimum distributions, has been changed. Mm-hmm. It was always a strange number to kind of keep track of. really didn't mean anything, I think, to a lot of people. So that RMD age has been moved to age 72. So in the year that you turn 72, that is the year you're required to start taking out required minimum distributions. Gotcha. Okay. So that, that helps also because that... It was 70 and a half before, right? So that extends it out another year and a half? That's right. That's Good. right. So Good. depending on where your birthday is, it could you, you, you might be able to push it out almost two years further than mm. you were able to. You also have until April 1st of the year after you pull, after you turn 72, to pull out that first required minimum distribution. So if you did do that, uh, you'd have to take out two required minimum distributions in that year, but it really just allows people to do a little bit more planning. And I think it brings up some opportunities there to do more Roth conversions, as well as we talked a little bit about this in a previous podcast, qualified charitable distributions, Yes, where you're giving to a charity directly from your IRA to a charity, that age to start those still remains at 70 and a half. So really, you have this window there where you're able to do a qualified charitable distribution, but yet not have the requirement of a RMD to come out as well. Good. So why do you think they made that move? So I really think this is designed for people who are working into retirement and forcing someone to kind of take out unneeded income from a retirement plan while they're still trying to work and save, feels a little bit like a slap in the face. Yeah. yeah. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't really affect a client who maybe is already retired and is already taking and tapping their retirement accounts. This is really designed, uh, you know, for the most part, for people who are working in their 70s, business owners, and that sort of thing, who, who basically just need that extra couple of years for savings and really don't have a need for that income. Mm-hmm. But the the big thing is there is it, it's basically going to help people avoid that additional income they had to pull out if they just didn't need it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right. What else? So the other big thing that they did is in the past, once you reach 70 and a half, you were no longer able to do traditional IRA contributions. 
you were always able to do Roth contributions, but to get a, basically a tax break to do a traditional IRA contribution, that really went out the window at 70 and a half. I, I really think a lot of this is laying the groundwork and kind of getting people used to the idea of working longer into your 70s. Mm. To do a, a traditional IRA contribution, you do have to have earned income in that year. So for somebody who's maybe still working or working part-time uh, or just have, have a little bit of income they'd like to defer into a traditional IRA, you now, have the, you now have the ability to do that. I think there's also an opportunity here, especially when you start looking at some of the, the tax savers credits for making a traditional IRA contribution that's, that might be available to you depending on uh, where your income's following with Social Security and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it, it sounds like we're kind of on a, a pattern here of uh, flexibility, I guess, if that's the word I want to use. They're, they seem to be making things a little bit more flexible to m- make it easier, or I don't want to call them penalties because they're not penalties, but to to be able to save more, to be able to have a more secure retirement. And I guess that's maybe that's where they got the name from. But is that kind of the feeling we get from the changes they made? Uh, absolutely. And as we, we talk about some of the changes they make to 401k plans, you know, I think we'll, we'll see a lot more of that. But yeah, I think Washington realizes there's a retirement crisis in this country mm-hmm. and people relying on Social Security to fund, you know, the majority of their retirement. Something needs to be done about that, that mindset of, of you know, well, I paid into Social Security, so what else do I need? Yeah. Probably a couple thousand dollars more a month is what mm-hmm. you need. Yeah. You know, Social Security is a wonderful piece of the stool, but it's, it's only a leg of the stool. We need to put in some other things to make sure that you have all of the bases covered there when you do decide to stop working. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that that's a, it's a very dangerous mindset, right? They, they think they're going to get more than they will or whatever. And then all of a sudden it comes time and wait a second, I, I can't make ends meet like I thought I would be able to. And that, nobody wants to see anybody in that situation. That's right. That's right. So the other piece of this to just be aware of is there is some protections in there from somebody trying to take advantage of the system of making a traditional IRA contribution and then also doing a qualified charitable distribution as well. This is just designed to prevent people from putting $7,000 into a traditional IRA, taking the, um, the income reduction from that. And then also doing a qualified charitable distribution in the same year. If you do that, th- that will be disallowed. Basically, that $7,000 you would have put into the traditional IRA will count as income when you pull it out for the qualified charitable distribution. But you do get to write it off as a charitable distribution. So just something to be aware of. They, gotcha. they, they have kind of thought through this change to make sure people aren't taking advantage of that. Good. Well, I, mean, I think that most Americans are... Wanting to, you know, make sure that loopholes are closed and especially for individuals that are of high wealth, everybody's paying their fair share. And so it's, it's nice to hear that they are thinking of these types of things as well, even though it'd be nice to be able to, you know, have a few more advantages, but they've, they've made a bunch of good changes already. That's right. That's right. And let's just jump into, and just kind of touch on some of the 401k changes here. Yeah, We won't go too far into the specifics because, you know, I don't think a lot of my listeners really like to dive into the minutiae of 401k administration, 
But some of the changes I think are going to be really positive. I think it's going to take a little bit longer to see those uh, kind of get rolled out. But one of the biggest changes is really a move inside of 401ks to offer more annuity and lifetime income options for 401k plans. Hmm. And what this would look like is basically uh, you're able to save in your 401k and uh, accumulate a nest egg there. I think what the government wants to encourage is, is taking a portion of that and turning it into a lifetime income, somewhat like a pension uh, might have acted in the past with the kind of decline and almost disappearance of pensions for a lot of employers. They're looking for a way of uh, replacing that. And I think that's an excellent thing uh, to make a focus in the coming years because those lifetime income options are, are truly very important for giving people that that level of security mm-hmm. where it's not necessarily money that's in the market and you have to make the, the, the best decisions possible there. This lifetime income or annuity option, I think, will, will just give people more uh, security there uh, over time. But I think that's going to take a few years to roll out as 401k plans adopt that. They've also made it much easier and put in some uh, additional incentives for companies to set up retirement plans as well as to kind of band together and create what are called multiple employer plans under some sort of, um, uh, you know, either the same industry or some other type of affinity group where we can maybe drive down the costs inside of a 401k to really help benefit the individual participants in them. So a lot of good changes there in the, the 401k side of the uh, the plans. A couple of the other small changes that, that were somewhat interesting I want to touch on is with the the tax act that we had two years ago, there was a change to the, the kitty tax rules, which is basically for unearned income or a minor child's social security number. It had been that for a child earning that unearned income, it had been under their parents' uh, income tax bracket. The Tax Act changed that to the trust income tax bracket, which is much more punitive. With the the trust uh, tax bracket, you're hitting the highest tax mm. tax bracket very very quickly. With the change to the Secure Act, they actually moved that back to the parents' income tax bracket. So, oh, okay. an interesting kind of two year change there, where we we had something in there and then they changed it right back right away. Gotcha. You know, finally, the the last thing I think is is just a, a, a wonderful positive here is, and that's to the 529 college savings plans. Number one, they, they've really kind of expanded that to include more apprenticeship type programs. This is a way for people to take a route to, you know, getting educated to, to do a, a job or have a career. That's not the traditional uh, college type setting. I think this is this is wonderful. It, it it does have to be a registered apprenticeship program, but now you can use those funds in a five twenty nine plan to pay for those costs of books, uh, uh, education costs. So I think that's just wonderful. Um, the other big thing that they they did do is they are now going to allow you to use five twenty nine funds that you've accumulated, and you can now use those to pay down student loan principal and interest. Nice. Now, it is capped at $10,000 per person, but this is a great way of maybe using some of those leftover 529 funds to take care of and pay down those student loan loans that are just so pervasive at this time. Yeah, and I think those two things go hand in hand. 
there's so many people that are looking at college and, and saying, you know, this is not where I want to spend my money or, or I don't want to go into this much debt. And so they're, they're doing using apprenticeship programs or they're, they're getting into trade schools. And I'm, well, I guess I should ask that question is a trade school part of that. Uh, trade schools were always part of this. I oh, think apprenticeships are a little bit more, maybe smaller or informal trade schools have, have always been for the most part, part of the 529 program. Uh, the big thing was that they, they did have to be accredited. Mm-hmm. And, but they're also part of that now where they can use part of those funds to pay down any student loans that they had for the trade school. So that's good. It benefits that's them right. as well. Good. That's, mm-hmm. Well, that's fantastic. And, and finally, the, the other change that uh, was made, and this, this is a, an interesting one, was they expanded the number of ways you can pull money out of a retirement plan before the age of 59 and a half. If uh, you, you, you have a child that is born or adopted, you're now able to pull up to $5,000 out of a retirement plan after one of, the, one of those events. So hmm. this is just an extra way of avoiding that 10% penalty should you have some additional costs with a child being born or adopted. Oh, that's nice. I and mean, that's, that's very helpful to every family out there. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I like this so podcast. Overall, this is good news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So overall, I think there, there's a lot of good benefits here. I think the only thing that was taken away was that stretch IRA option, but mm-hmm. that's just going to really just to require some different type planning. I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing in the world uh, to have to kind of deal with those funds over a, a 10-year period versus a 20-, 30-year period by stretching it out over your lifetime. So overall, I think a lot of good positives here, and I'm, I'm just happy to see Congress you know, working on something bipartisan and that benefits the country. Yeah, I think everybody's ready for that, right? especially this year yeah and we're not going to talk about november of this year we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wrap up the podcast there but before we do royal what are we what are we going to be talking about on our next podcast can you give me a sneak peek so we're going to have a a couple guests here in the next couple of uh, podcasts and and i'm going to have one of the experts i rely on here in the office come in and talk a little bit about life insurance as we approach the new year all right all right sounds good royal thank you so much for your time today my pleasure. Great to chat with you. You bet. And thank you all for listening to the Life by Design podcast with Royal Stanley. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Royal comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device, which makes it much easier to share this podcast with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The views expressed are those of the presenter and may not reflect the views of United Planner Financial Services. Material discussed is meant to provide general information and is not to be construed as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. Individual needs vary and require consideration of your unique objectives and financial situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Advisory services offered through Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through United Planner Financial Services of America, member FINRA and SIPC. Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. and United Planners Financial Services are independent companies.